0: And welcome to the Raw preview. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to look ahead to tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. Where we not only review Raw and SmackDown, but also NXT, AEW, Dynamite, pay-per-views. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week, complete with a bloating quiz, of course. On wrestle culture, as I said, joined by Michael Sidgwick. So go ahead to Raw tonight. But before we do that, we should talk about what happened last night, Michael Sidgwick, Money in the bank. What do you reckon?
1: Really, really good, up to a point. Like, I didn't have expectations of an absolute blow away. We've just been waiting for this. We've held your, you know, your emotional investment and intelligence in contempt and your time and contempt because we're going to do something absolutely blow away awesome. (laughs) There'll certainly blow away awesome stuff on that show, but I thought it was really like uneven. And I think if you've got latitudes towards Roman Reigns, soliloquies, and really, really, really methodical control stuff, then, yes, you would have probably loved that main event. I thought it was so goddamn dull. (laughs) So dull. It's one thing to do a slow long match if what happens in the slow parts like really informs what happens so you're on the hook for all of it it doesn't really feel like the time's being wasted i just thought it was a slow match for slow matches sake because in their heads they think oh slow's good slow down the pace tell a story right well you're not really doing anything it was slow nothingness and then just loads of drama at the end for the sake of it like it felt disconnected from itself it felt like come on literally 10 aimless minutes there. But the stuff at the very end got over. I actually fell asleep and I had to watch it again. Mm-hmm. I legitimately fell asleep. Like I'd been boozing on the Saturday with my mate and and get that much sleep on the Sunday night because you have to wake up a stupid time to watch it. But, you know, if I'm watching a good match, I'm not going to fall asleep, especially in front of crowds. But ultimately, that men's money in the bank ladder match, one was probably the best one I've seen, I think.
0: Oh, it was just bonkers in terms of, Showcasing the abilities of a lot of the people in there, uh, just real like you know, nice to see the reminder of like this is what happens when you just let ricochet be ricochet, uh, and a massive nod as well. I think of a lot of people sort of overlooked this, this was a brilliant bit of chain wrestling or whatever you want to call it. This that exchange between Riddle and Shinsuke Nakamura was just a mouthwatering prospect of of what's to come. We'll talk in a minute about. <laughs> And uh, Shanky and Veer and Jinder Mahal and how that's going to play out going forward. We are getting the 3MB Dream match, which I presume is going to headline uh, SummerSlam. And uh, then you had Kevin Owens, who just goes, "Ah, oh, what's the worst possible bumps I can take in this match? And he did about three of them. And then, of course, just the reaction, not just obviously in the arena. Uh, we were doing the live stream from the office for the first time. We were bouncing off the walls for that anyway. Um, and then you also mainly see the reaction online, which has been our gauge for the last 18 months. Um, there was confusion uh, about Nikki Ash, Nikki Cross, whatever you want to call her, Nikki A-S-H, uh, winning the women's. But there was just universal joy from what I could see with Biggie getting the Money in the Bank briefcase.
1: It's years overdue. It is years and years overdue. He's um, the most, he's possibly like the most, unanimously liked guy in that company people who are still really loyal towards and still really enjoy watching WWE they love them I was on Twitter last night watching well reading the various takes at the same time as watching the show and biggie genuinely is the one unifying guy that brings together like all the jaded disenchanted lapsed Fans who watch a show like Money in the Bank, WWE's first proper non-socially distanced show in however many months. I mean, they certainly told you the weeks and the days enough times I should have been, should have been seen into my memory, but regardless, yeah. they aren't. And he's the guy, and everyone's like, Well, I'll watch it if you do something really good with him. Mm. I genuinely will. Like, super entertaining, thoroughly solid, great bloke. He's got a style that's not completely oversaturated, like he's really powerful. Tremendous baby face fire. He can still do high spots. He's still like really energetic. Like, class, an entertainment machine who's a great baby face who deserves the world. And he got it or a glimpse of it, at least last night. But yeah, I mean, I thought the match quality was uneven. There were various points where I'm thinking, oh, like, get more amped up for this. It's your first one back for that mm-hmm. particular market. It's like this feeling that I'd love to be able to go and see a wrestling show. To be honest, I probably wouldn't have reacted. That's WWE's problem, and um, I shouldn't be placing the blame on fans. Actually, um, but for all the rabid stuff you get online about how loved this product is, and you're a cynical, biased asshole for not enjoying it, I'm thinking, well, it can't be that good because literally the second show back, a pay per view, no less. There are certain matches and spots and sequences that just aren't hitting it. But to focus on the uh, positives before we preview Raw that men's money in the bank, Jesus Christ. Like I always say spot fests are incredibly more difficult than people like to think. People think because you're going to do some crazy high spots or some demented risks that are easy. You just do them. Notwithstanding the fact that you have to be really talented and athletic and creative to be able to do them, but it's all about stringing them together and escalating those pops because any wrestler with a certain athletic pedigree can do that match, but very few can do it really well. You have to be able to build it. And I'm thinking when Drew McIntyre does that somersault sent on, like the size of him, I'm thinking that's amazing. You're not going to beat that pop, and how long's left? And then ricochet beats it. You know that um, guy in class with the vein in his neck who's desperate to give you information. <laughs> yeah, I was like that going Nick Jackson did it in PWG nine years ago. <laughs> in 2012, Mendes three opposite Colin O'Reilly in the Super Smash Brothers. He did it then, but at the same time, still a great spot. He mm. did the Phoenix bit beforehand, so he put those two things together. Just an absolutely unhinged, creative, breathtaking match. Loved it. Um, yeah, my thoughts varied elsewhere on the show, but Jesus Christ, Wilborn we've been doing these raw previews during the pandemic era for like a year and a bit. This one's different, is it not?
0: Yeah, I said this uh, on, uh, I think it was on the podcast yesterday, as we concluded the the wrap-up with me and Hamflat, saying... I know it's it's slightly different. Obviously, like you say, this is going to be the first Monday Night Raw with fans in attendance. Um, it's Freedom Day here in the UK. COVID's finished. Uh, so that's fantastic news. But, <laughs> I mean, the Prime Minister's self-isolating, but, you know, aside from that, it's basically all over. Um, but I said I said, the, the ringing endorsement for this show is not only am I looking forward to the next pay-per-view, which I have done on occasion with WWE throughout the last 18 months, but I am genuinely looking forward to seeing what happens with the fallout on Raw and on SmackDown, and, yeah, just how they deal with it. We'll sort of weave in talking about Money in the Bank uh, and how that plays into tonight as we continue and talk more about Bobby Lashley and who could be facing him in due course. But I want to give a nod to a match that really surprised me and is, and is once again backing up your point of just let the wrestlers wrestle. They can come out with some great stuff. I mean, Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley was the match I was even more so than like AJ Styles moments versus the Viking Raiders, because I was not, you know, like on the hook for, oh my God, who's going to leave with those prestigious raw tag team titles? But I was like, oh, there'll be some big, big fun spots in there. And I almost should do something mad, hoy in the bank Viking Raiders. But that's obviously what happened as well. Charlotte playing Rhea Ripley, I was like, they might have a good match, but they haven't really, and the build has been absolutely woeful. And yet they came out there, crotch shot the crowd, flipped everyone off, and then just had an absolute banger, didn't they?
1: Yeah, and I was absolutely amazed. I was completely under the impression, unshakable in this, that it was going to follow a similar pattern to um, Asuka versus Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania yeah. 37, where the build was rubbish, the baby face heel alignments had barely been defined. I mean, you guess you like to ask her more, but it was so, so much confusion surrounding Rhea Ripley's presentation. That didn't no one bought Rhea Ripley as a worthy challenger because she simply lost a Royal Rumble and said, Oh, well, silver medal, I'll just go for this. Like, that's no way to build a title, no way to build a challenger, no way to build a match. And within 24/48, or somewhere in between hours. They'd already conspired to kill a crowd, had WWE with that match. Gentlemen's three that no one really cared about. So I thought, well, this has to go the same way because the storyline's been even worse. No one knows who to like. If anything, they're both really unlikable. So I sat down and watched it and thought, right, okay, I'm not expecting anything out of this. And Jesus Christ, I was half blown away. Mm. A few seconds, I thought I had a phone call there. No, it isn't on edge every time you get a vibration on your phone these <laughs> days. Um I was blown away by this. There's literally one shred of something pro wrestling related to this entire debacle with Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair. And that is, oh, they're both really competitive with each other. Uh, they're both assholes, but you know, they're both really competitive with one another. <laughs> yeah. They took that one thread and wove it into an actual banger of a match. If you look at the moves, when they were placed, how the match was laid out, it really wasn't too dissimilar to virtually every match you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Big move exchanges, moves get bigger, the longer it goes on, blah, 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 blah. So I can't really like provide any major insights into the story they told or how they managed to get it over. But I just think they simply did some really snug, physical, believable stuff that all just peaked and peaked and peaked and peaked, escalated, escalated, escalated. Like Charlotte Flair did the face that I hate, capital K, capital T, capital F, the face. Like, what more do I bloody have to do? Eh? I'm despondent <laughs> at this because I thought I'd had her then, and yet I still believed it because the match and the work was so good. They basically were just two strong athletic competitors having a really stiff match to the finish. Like, I, and it had a clean one at that really helped. And people like, you might say, Diana you know, like, <laughs> Charlotte wins again, lol. I like the match more, but you know, Charlotte wins again, lol. So I don't give it who wins and who loses in this company anymore. But way past that, <laughs> if you can give me a goddamn really good match with a clean finish, like, Charlotte can be a 50-time champion for all I care. I'm not going to watch the episodic TV with any intrigue um, because of how bad it is. But that, suppose leads to the next question, Wilborn.
0: Yeah, what what's next for her? Because it was weird. At the end of that, I thought, I could watch another match with these two. And, and I said to Hamlet yesterday, they could almost, and they have done it throughout this, where they do, do something terrible for weeks upon end, and then it comes to a pay-per-view, for example, and they go, right, ignore all that. Is a nice video package to genuinely get you excited about it. Like this, the, the scope of having that story now being told twice over of, I've got your number. When it matters, when it's a big match... I come in there and I make you tap out and you'd lose your title as a result of it. Like that story could almost be told again. I, I don't I probably don't think they should, because like you say, with weekly episodic TV, even with only what, four or five weeks till SummerSlam, I think they I don't, it's, it's not really worth doing again at SummerSlam. But what's next for you for Charlotte Flair? Is it a rematch with Rhea Ripley? Is it Nikki A.S.H. Who's uh, set to have some sort of celebration with a briefcase in uh, in tonight's show? Or is it the person that they were chanting for uh, to really piss the us off at the start of this match last night? Is it one Becky Lynch?
1: I think Becky Lynch is coming back tonight. I think she's coming back tonight. And I'm not just saying that, Will Bond. So we've got a little line for the, uh, the copy when we're trying to um, flog this on Twitter. <laughs> like... On one hand, it's like, well, Charlotte Flair is defeated via Ripley clean in the middle. That means the feud's over with. That's not true, because over on SmackDown, Bianca Blair defeated Carmella clean in the middle. And they are already doing a rematch on the <laughs> second SmackDown back in front of fans. And it's like, are you just literally joking? It's a parody. Um, so realistically, everything must continue in WWE. Virtually every single notable program has like a three-month minimum. We're kind of past that now with Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. But there's no guarantee. There's literally no reason for Carmella versus Bianca Belair to happen. There just isn't. There's no point. And yet, here we are. I don't think that's happening on Raw. I don't. um, I don't think they've ever looked at Rhea Ripley, despite giving her the title. But what does that mean, ultimately? Mm. I just don't think they see it in her. And I think, not being funny, but like, the way they do things is rotten and she shouldn't be measured as a good performer by the rotten promos that she struggles to deliver. But ultimately from their perspective, she's probably failed in the spot. I think these people are like set up to fail, Mm -hmm. but regardless looking at it from their walk perspective, I think they think she's not done enough in the spot. And I just think like there's been so many murmurs like Andrew Zarian from Matt Men has said, like, you haven't seen the half of it yet with their uh, John Cena's return. Like, you still haven't seen the half of it yet. Like, I think Becky Lynch is coming back. There's an absolute deficit of baby faces on that Monday Night Raw roster. And I'm not doing cartwheels over another revisit of Becky Lynch versus Charlotte Flair. Like, not by a goddamn long stretch. But I think that's what's happening tonight.
0: Yeah, I, I sense that that's the direction they're going to go in. We'll talk more about big returns, debuts, etc. In due course, but they're on on track for potentially having about five challenges for that main event match. Something I, I still think it's going to be obviously Cena versus Reigns, but there's some potentially spectacular matches coming our way in August, uh, like you say with with a, you know a, some we've seen before. In fact, most we've probably seen before, but like. You know, Flair Lynch, uh, we'll talk about Lashley and who he might be facing. Cena, Reigns, uh, Bel-air Banks too. Uh, there's one I'm forgetting, Edge, Rollins, obviously. Like, there's so many good matches that they can hoy on once they actually start trying. Uh, a word quickly on Nikki A.S.H. And I- I've had a chance to get your reaction to the fan reaction to <laughs> Alexa Bliss trying to summon the briefcase and then hypnotising Zelina Vega.
1: I mean, it's just farcical, absolutely farcical. So at one point, <laughs> Alexa Bliss motions to look upwards, with the idea being that if no one like forcibly removed her from
0: this Shut mental up. state. Shut up. Sorry, she's chatting again. I forgot to unplug her. No bother. If the non spater, right? We'll
1: call her that instead, because that'll what what that will do is accurately convey a character, and it won't stop your um, yeah voice-activated device from going off. So, if the non spater hadn't have been like physically shaken from this state that she got herself in mentally, she would have been able. The implication was to use telekinesis to unhook the car the briefcase from the carabiner. Could she not have just done that the second the bell rang? Could she not have used the various other powers to beat everybody else up or just f- freeze them in place via hypnosis, which you know which we know she can do because she did it to Zelina Vega. So here's what I would do if I'm the non-spader. Sorry, I almost said her name then and not the non-spader. <laughs> so if I'm the non-spader, what I would do was um, the first thing I'd do is I'd say to the FBI, look, here's everyone who's ordered a cameo. <laughs> Play their hard drives and make the world a better place, okay? The second thing I would do if I'm the non-spader, sorry, I won't say the name, so I'll just say the non-spader instead. I would individually hypnotize all of my opponents in the match, freeze them in place, and then given that I motioned that I was capable of doing this, I would use telekinesis to remove the briefcase from the hook, That's what I would have done. But uh, yeah, none of this. It's just a farce, a debacle. Belief. It's just the wacky... It's its one thing to do wacky nonsense. I'm not a fan of it. I don't think with the world that WWE sometimes builds, sometimes don't care about, but with the world that they have, like you can't have Roman Reigns and Alexa Bliss in this university, you just can't do it. They're not even good... Effective powers, like she literally is the new fiendess. It was, they are it, so inconsistent the work sometimes. I think she can only hypnotize one person at a time. Mm-hmm. If someone wants to really if someone who's like a law specialist, like there's a guy who um this is a little incidental detour here. There's a guy, I believe, who George R. R. Martin, who you know writes the mm-hmm. um Game of Thrones books. There's a guy he employs to like, keep track of this like labyrinthine mythology that he's developed so when he's writing, he will use this guy as a consultant to say, like, have I got this right? Like, my own stuff. <laughs> Am I contradicting myself or is there some kind of plot tool I'm missing? And this guy is on hand to, like, just like sort of categorised, like the legitimate mythology in Game of Thrones. I know you can't do this because of this, or you're not thinking about this. I know you've got your history details a little bit wrong here when he's doing the drafting process. So if I can get someone like that for fiend law, right, to explain this to me, this real thing, of why she can only hypnotise one person at once. Uh, She's actually only got uh, one set of eyes, actually.
0: Right, that explains it. Okay. Did you see, by the way, some very, very smart smart thinking by Liv Morgan last night. Had a pair of eyes on her boobs. Which one do you hypnotise? You've hypnotised the wrong eyes. Uh Little Miss Bliss. So there you go. That was a I very... I did smart. not notice
1: that, one. I did not notice that. But the very least, you know what? Liv Morgan is not portraying a child. No. So I will not think less of you for noticing that.
0: Yeah, and uh, all horror movie villains or people, you know, these sort of characters, they've all got weaknesses. The Aliens in signs Don't like water Freddy Krueger doesn't like Night Nurse or something I don't, I've never watched it um, RKO takes down Bray Wyatt And Little Miss Bliss can be put, <laughs> Little Miss Bliss can be put down by Piling all the ladders on her And
1: uh, it's like It's the big show spot in it It's the Kane spot She's five foot of fury An absolute farce If you're going to ask me What next for the non-spader I don't care
0: Let's let's talk about the rest of the this show and how it's been fed into by Money in the Bank. Let's talk then about Drew and Jinder. Uh, a mixed reaction to Druman Reigns uh, last night, as Hamlet was calling him on the review. Uh, we, we're heading to, to SummerSlam and a 3MB match, aren't we? Or, as we booked on the review last night, a Symphony of Destruction match. Hello, LTST.
1: Oh, God. A guitar on a pool. Or something like that.
0: Sword, sword on a sword on forklift.
1: This is one of those things that they're doing that is going to be so counterproductive to the aim. They are cycling Drew McIntyre out of the world title picture. And look, WWE fans, like, you'd have thought that the worst company in the world like actually attracts nobs. Like, come on. I understand that I don't necessarily want to see Drew McIntyre in a world title program either, but like, be respectful. You can convey this by not watching Raw, right? If Drew's in a segment and not looking at his YouTube numbers or whatever or tweeting about them, talk about engagement and metrics. Like if you are not interested in Drew and honestly, after a year, I would look at those ratings and suggest that a lot of people have lost interest in this guy for now in the babyface rule. It's a top level act. He's totally lacerated his own body for the cause, and somehow contrived to work several great matches in the sterile, thunderdome atmosphere. Gets booed out of the building. He gets booed out of the building because WWE fans are a very cruel bunch. What they are trying to do, and again, it's not—it's a bad idea. It's a bad application of a decent thought process. Right? We'll cycle them out of the picture. We'll give them a grudge feud. This gender stuff's gonna be—it's already wash. Mm. It's already prop-based nonsense with low stakes. Like I was dreading this actually happening at some point. Drew versus gender—not only because it's a, not a match that I want to see, but the idea projected that these to be in a stable. Loads of storytelling. No, well, I've said it a million times. Why would you remind people that they were in a rubbish stable? Like, why would you ever want to do that? Like, as I've used the comparison before. It's like Rock and Austin saying, well, you were rubbish when you were uh, Rocky Maivere. <laughs> you were worse as a ringmaster. <laughs> why, why, why would they ever do that? So why would they remind you that they're in, they were in 3MB? Yes, there's a logical bit of continuity there, but it's not the basis for a storyline. Instead, prop theft is. <laughs> Early theft. Like, look, Drew will work his arse off to try and get this over. With all the will in the world, I don't think anyone's got any interest in it. I expect, obviously, given the events of Money in the Bank, for that to be some kind of continuation of this storyline. God knows what it's going to
0: be—something Scottish. (laughs) Well, hopefully, we see. We had loads. You remember early on in the the pandemic era, everywhere, AEW and WWE—they just went. I can't really think for anything for this kidnapping. They just did that. So maybe, maybe that's what it's going to be because they took him away last night. They didn't just beat him down and walk off. So maybe uh, (laughs) Jinder's got him holed up, forcing him to watch reruns of their awful 3MB segments from back in the day. Just to remind everyone really how crap it was. In terms of the the tag titles, obviously AJ Styles and Omos retaining against the Viking Raiders last night. Is it as straightforward as a match between those two and and, uh, RK Bro for the tag titles at SummerSlam for you?
1: Ooh, probably and the Viking Raiders were roundly defeated nor did they get over yet another indie act that got over literally everywhere they worked and they feel like right their time's done they'll be chasing our truth within weeks if not hours given that we're recording this at um, half past three UK time on Monday <laughs> yeah Stars and the Wolves versus RK okay, bro and that can Plant the seeds for the RK, bro. Breakup. We'll see. I think they've been leaving Orton off TV to create a little bit of an appetite with the hope that, our Christy, will get a pop if they've not seen him. Um, so that's how I would explain the storyline. Absence. Look, this stuff's getting over. Well, at least when we were reading about it on Twitter, et cetera, which, as we said, was the only barometer we had for a while. If I'm WWE, thank God I'm not. I'm reminding the audience of the chemistry that Orton and Riddle have to get it over in front of a crowd so that they can actually feel it in a crowd and then do the breakup. So there's a little bit of heft to it. There's a little bit of a bittersweet. Oh, isn't Randy Orton a dick for being a dick to Riddle? Hmm, is he? But regardless, that's the story beat, whether it's you know, like means anything or otherwise. I would do more RK comedy stuff in front of a crowd so that people can get an actual connection to it and then do the breakup, maybe when they lose at SummerSlam. But yeah, I expect that to be the direction.
0: Yeah, for any of those wondering, whenever I go off on one of my tangents or do a, an absolutely woeful joke on our podcast, by the way, the face that Kevin Owens pulled looking at Rick Boogs and Riddle, that's what I get from both Dadley Boys on a week. Yes, it is. Uh, but let's talk about John We've seen Cena. Glasses. He is back. He returned to confront Roman Reigns at the uh, close of Money in the Bank. Obviously, that's going to be more of a SmackDown feud, but he is opening Monday Night Raw. They've put that front and centre as a flagrant ratings grab for tonight. Um, happy to see him back. You've seen it? Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you now.
1: Like, I know he's... Done his time, and I know he's not going to dominate to the extent that he did. And I've watched several John Cena matches that I've really, really enjoyed. In spite of John Cena, mm. never have seen a guy. Never, I, I liked his 2015 U.S. title run enough, but only for what he was giving his opponents rather than what he was giving me. Hollow sugar rush. Ma- r- sh- bleh, Jesus Christ, easy for me to say. Hollow sugar rush matches, back and forth. Was he trying, uh, well played, like trying to evolve into like this over indie, super indie adjacent worker over time. just, I hate him. It's brand of comedy sucks. His way of building matches to just insult his opponents with terrible patter sucked. Always hated John Cena, but i tell you what I do love. I love pops. I love noise. Mm. I love watching stars. And he very much brings that to the table. Um, I don't know what he does, given that the head of the table, whose nickname I was reminded of about one million times last night, is on SmackDown. Do we get Roman on Raw just to go, boom, like, here's every pop possible. We don't give a about the draft. We care about fans coming back and building our numbers back up. Um, there might be some kind of value, I guess, in Roman Reigns, this unflappable, cool presence, who in one actually decent um story beat last night the man who acknowledges and demands respect after years of not getting it from crowds and under this head of the table persona got none of it from John Cena who didn't acknowledge him literally that was pretty good that really was pretty good Um so maybe the formerly unflappable Roman Reigns can come to Raw as I can't wait in like Roman and like John Cena was like oh, I thought you are holding that show down I thought you were this new cool guy blah, 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 blah. I'm getting in your head all that kind of stuff. love getting in each other's heads don't they in mm-hmm. WWE rent free Jesus Christ what? or you could build another program or you could just do nothing you could do what McMahon did on Smackdown which is so yeah. confusing incidentally um, look I've got an
0: idea but they want me to have no idea and that's the hook Give him his due. That's the only promo he could remember was those six words. So you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, But he's, he's actually a, had a 15 minutes plan, but I forgot. <laughs> oh bollocks! I can't, I can't. Vince, don't don't swear! Don't swear! Where the hell have you been? Nailed it! <laughs> oh goodbye! I have to go now. My people need me. It was so
1: abrupt. Like There's no indication that he'd finish, other than he just ran away. <laughs> yeah. He just went, where the hell have you been? Walk, come back and just say, I don't say this often, but it's pretty good to see you. And then walk back. Just something that wasn't really weird, but that's <laughs> McMahon for you now. He's absolutely nuts.
0: Yeah, I guarantee the rewrites on that would have been time. And then in the end, I've got it. I've got it in my head. I know what to say. They'll definitely know when you finish speaking, though, won't you? Yeah, I won't be there anymore. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it reminds me have you seen the one the other day, the video? Donald Trump Jr. doing a, a speech and cracking jokes, and the, you do, the crowd don't know where the punchline is. He's like, right? everyone get that? All right, <laughs> That's what Vince was. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. Uh, anyway. Like I said, stacked show tonight, all the fallout from Money in the Bank and lots of rumours and innuendo and all that to, to look forward to. We've also been promised not only the return of John Cena, not only Money in the Bank fallout, a major debut tonight. Now, this has come from Andrew Zane of the Mat Pro Wrestling Podcast. He's been very reliable with this sort of thing recently. Uh, he said, he told his co-host that someone new is set to debut tonight on Raw. And he said that the wrestler is a fellow Texan, so people have speculated that it could be Carrying Cross. Carrying Cross is from New York. Could be Raquel Gonzalez, who's kind of busy on NXT being women's champion, or it could be Keith Lee, who wouldn't be a debut, but is from from Texas. I I don't know what to expect here. I'm 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 sort of scared and excited all at the same time with this.
1: We're on a level with you. I haven't prepared anything for this. So my plan was, before other work caught up with me, I was going to go through the list of WWE personnel on um, Wikipedia and go down to the NXT section and one by one uh, open a new tab, everyone on it with a Wikipedia page, and see who's from Texas, who isn't. So I will start doing that right now with... Adam Cole, who I don't think is from Texas. I think he's from Pennsylvania. Yes, he is. Next, we've got Andre Chase. Will uh, Wilborn, have we reached, have we, uh, reached the mid-roll lad yet?
0: <laughs> We're way past that, brother.
1: All right. Okay. I won't bother then. I've got no idea who it is. And uh, I've got, n- who's from Texas? That presumably is in the system because what we know of the system is that you have to pass through the system. And. Like learn the playbook and then get on Raw SmackDown. Like once once all your hot new buzz is gone, mm. essentially. Um, so I haven't done my research. Who the hell's from Texas?
0: I'm just on the Wikipedia page. So apologies if I get anything wrong here for for professional wrestlers from Texas. Now, I actually, can, I'm
1: an idiot. I should have done that.
0: You you can rule quite a few people out because, well, they're not going to be Davies, are they? John Bradshaw Layfield or like then again they're talking about Keith Lee, so who knows? Uh, ACH, he had a great time in WWE. Maybe he's gonna, you know, maybe he's gonna come back to, to the main. No,
1: no, 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 we shouldn't.
0: All oh, London, God, get him back. Oh my
1: yeah, God, I bloody love that. I bloody love that for Christ's sake. The, the, the thing about him coming back to WWE is that it's probably not gonna happen uh, because WWE um, killed his interest in pro wrestling.
0: Yeah, I'll do it. I've absolutely no idea who it could possibly be. Taker under a new
1: persona. <laughs> uh, I've got any idea.
0: I've got absolutely no idea. Tammy Guevara. He's from Texas. There we go. Yeah, yeah. We'll put it out there, and then we can just claim if that does happen. I mean, it'd be the maddest thing I've ever seen, but um, obviously, who knows? Raquel Gonzalez. I want Raquel Gonzalez on the main roster, but I want WWE to finish up stories first. They just went, oh, yeah, Mandy Rose isn't the thing anymore. Sorry, you've been building towards this tag match for two months, guys. You know, traded it for earlier, so there you go. What? So, yeah, I, I want Raquel Gonzalez on the main roster, but let her finish up stuff in NXT first, and she's got a good, what, easy six months still as you can do with, with her down there. So, I'm hoping it's just Andrew own trying to throw people off the scent, and it's just the return of, of Keith Lee because he's brilliant, and I'd love to see him back in a WWE ring. Um, but maybe this relates to someone challenging Bobby Lashley. He retained the WWE Championship on Sunday night, in a match that was, well, it was a one-sided hammering, wasn't it? And he was swinging the hammer. It was... Not what we anticipated.
1: No, but it was really well done, you know. Like, Bobby Lashley looked like a monster. Like, I genuinely think this was so inspired and so good. The idea is we've been raving, even us, even me, we've been raving, I've been raving about Kofi Kingston's last month, six weeks of his career on Raw. It's been class. Promos, work, just babyface qualities, Every single one of them is embodied. And they've been carefully positioning him this way with the idea of, oh, he's got murdered there. Despite how hard he's working, how much he believes in himself, oh, well, how much you like, him, he got murdered. At first, it felt to me that moment, because the word to me very well was, oh, that sucks. I really like Kofi Kingston. He deserved more. I don't think he doesn't deserve more, maybe another run, But it would be like really naive to think, that he could be WWE champion again.
0: Mm.
1: I'm not trying to be cruel because I think Kofi Kingston's immensely talented and there's absolutely no shame in being an upper mid-card dependable guy. But that's kind of what he is. Mm. I don't want to say he bombed as WWE champion, but he did no set the world alight. So with that in mind, I think they built him back up to this sentimental favourite who's on fire, knowing that, There's not really that much more of a level for him, but if we can get him just to the peak of his level to get someone else over, why the hell not do it? I thought it was legitimately very, very good and inspired booking. The issue is that it was booked with a goal in mind that this is an indictment of the star-making process. Goldberg versus Bobby Lashley is, if it reaches its ceiling, it could be loads and loads of fun. It's big time. Um, Goldberg in 2020 got the best SmackDown number quarter hour by like hundreds of thousands. It's good business. Again, I'm looking at this with my WWE hat on. Um, not that I own one, why would I? But you know what I mean? They did this and they did a phenomenally effective job of it to build Lashley ahead of this Hoss fight. And if Lashley wins this Hoss fight, you've got like a big, massive theoret- not a big, massive star. I don't think he's got that in him, Lashley, but like By WWE standards, you've got a proper main event guy. All of it was uh, really strong. And it kind of sucks that Goldberg's going to sweep in because he's knackered. He's out of puff. It kind of sucks that Kofi's done all those long matches on Raw as the most likable guy Thought it to... for Goldberg to be like the beneficiary of all of this graft. But um, in a preview of something... And um, that will come to YouTube channels imminently. There might be some correlation between that matchup money in the bank and another one that could tie all of this together. But we'll let um, Simon Miller on YouTube this week, potentially anyway, um have at that one.
0: In terms of setting it up on tonight's show, I believe you're right. Yeah, I think I think it was it was the perfect setup for because it's the old, you know, math thing of like, hang on, Kofi got murdered by Brock. Who went toe to toe with Goldberg. So if if Bobby Lash is only good to go, you know, a good 10, 15 minutes back and forth with a near four for Kofi, he's got no chance against Goldberg. He suddenly reminds you, oh, look, he just ragdolled him, dominated, hurt lock, job done, sort of thing. It really sort of re-established him in my eyes. And I I, I didn't doubt him necessarily, but it min- it did make you think he's big time. He's ready for the, the huge hoss match like you say. I think tonight you wait, the way you set that up is either maybe even Bobby comes out and says, Xavier Woods, you beat me. I take my half that ball. I'll put the title on the line right now. Get out here. We're having a fight. He wrecks him as well. And then Goldberg comes out and maybe confronts Ashley to close the show. Is, is that the direction you reckon they're going to
1: go? i will be as simple and basic as you like. The yeah. idea is they think, and to a degree, we I think a lot of hardcore wrestling fans see it this way. But we have to remove ourselves from that kind of subculture, if you like, and realise what a lot of people in those arenas will be thinking. They think Goldberg's a huge star. They don't want Goldberg to do anything else other than spear someone or say you're next to someone. This is going to be as basic as it gets in terms of a one-week start to the story, but don't get ambitious with Goldberg. Just hope that he can still do the simple things. And And on recent evidence, I don't think that's going to be the
0: case. Yeah. Short and sweet. Keep it simple with this. I completely agree. And when you get to the arena tonight, whoever's organising it all and divvying up, uh, you know, changing rooms and what have you. Goldbergs, take the door off its hinges. Nice little neck curtain. Then no one can get hurt. There's a good idea. Uh but let's know you of Monday night. Why does he do it? I get being psyched up, but gee, giving yourself a concussion, that one where he had the little trickle of blood down his head, and you were like, How old are you? What are you doing? Like the mad bloke who like punches a hole in the wall before a crucial football game. It's like, if you need to get that psyched up, maybe maybe you need to look at yourself to be honest.
1: Well, he says that like, he, didn't, he didn't ever like doing it. He said he's had one match in his career that he actually actively enjoyed, and that was the Lesnar one at WrestleMania 33. And it's like, if you don't like it, if you have to get yourself in the mood for it by concussing yourself, maybe, just maybe, don't take the payday. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a thought. It's never going to happen. Simple, isn't it? But yeah, uh, let us know your thoughts anyway ahead of Monday Night Raw tonight on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at. M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at What Culture WWE. And make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcast from. For daily wrestling podcasts or raw review will be available there tomorrow, of course. And you can go back and check out the full review of Money in the Bank that me and Michael Hamlet recorded in the small hours of this morning, right now. Plus, watch there. Uh, subscribe to What cool Tressing on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review and must, uh, suggest something short, crap and wrestling related for us to review instead of a god-awful Monday Night Raw segment. We all know there's going to be one tonight. But anyway, this has been the Raw Preview. My thanks to Michael Sidwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon.